Good afternoon, everyone, and it is a special week. Now, today we're going to recap the NFL, NFC East from the 2018 season. But on Sunday, there's no football. Something more important is going on this Sunday. Many two of you will years be in the making. Two years in the making, and I think 15 years before that. Final season of Game of Thrones. I think it's one of all three of our favorite shows. So we have a little little special presentation before we jump right into the NFC East. First, Mark, say hello to the people. Howdy. How's it going, guys? Steve, let them know that we appreciate them and we need them to subscribe right now. Winter has finally come for IAD Sports. Let's get it going. He's been working on that for way too long. That just happened. <laughs> Brutal. That just happened, everyone. <laughs> now, were, were you going for Jon Snow there? Because that was, uh, oh, oof, if that was the case. That was every, well, I, that was every Family guess... Guy Irish pub member. Like, if you ever yeah, go to I... Family Guy and there's a guy drinking in a pub, that was the voice. I just finished watching the Battle of the Bastards, so I'm a little Jon Snow crazy right now. Steve, this is a family show. I had to take my literal armor off before we recorded. We asked him to. That is true. That is true. But I'm repping House Stark here. We we did ask him to remove the armor because this is a family show. We didn't want to scare any kids. But Sunday, Game of Thrones returns. Long-awaited final season. In In the spirit of the show, in today's show... We're going to start out with our favorite NFL game of Throner. Now, if we were to take one player from the NFL, pick him up and drop him off in Westeros as the winner of the Iron Throne, who would it be? Let's start with Mark. Mark. See, I'm doing the correct and completely true Game of Thrones logic in breaking all the rules right off the bat. And I'm not even going to be picking a player. I'm actually going to end up going with John Gruden. Ah. And here and here's why. He returned triumphantly in true king fashion uh in Westeros. Uh he made his triumphant return and while things did not go well for him at the beginning at all, he has a master plan that will eventually let him rise uh into what the greatness is going to end up being when the Raiders finally return to power when they end up heading into Vegas. Okay, that's a hot take. But you know what he does have going for him? His head is still attached to his body. So I will give you John Gruden right now. Steve, I know you've been waiting for this moment your whole life. Your NFL Game of Thrones Iron Throne seated member is Tom Brady. The man hey. everyone loves. The man everyone oh, loves. Oh yeah. He you know, he may he may be the Ramsey Bolton of the NFL. But he is everything like Tyrion. Smart, cunning, tough, and every time you count him out, he finds a way to come back at you. And he's also so the I... littlest guy on the field, too. He, he, is, he, is also, he is also definitely a Lannister. I guarantee it. See, I would have gone Cersei with him personally, but hey, who's sitting on the throne right now? Yeah, well... Not John know. Gruden. <laughs> Okay, my player. You guys, let me know what you think. J.J. Watt. Love it. J.J. Watt. Drop him into Westeros. He wins the Game of Thrones. Now, first of all, talk about the Kings, the quarterbacks. Mark, how many Kings does J.J. Watt have to take down before you believe? Too many. 92 career sacks. He's all about that now. 22 career forced fumbles. 
and three receiving touchdowns. He's doing it all, even if it's not his job. Now, that's crazy, but let's be serious now for a second. Game of Thrones, you win the throne, you die. And right now, everyone loves him. Everyone is following him. Everyone is taken to the cause. Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. He helped the uh, Houston Flood Relief Fund raise a couple bucks, turned into $37 million charity. Everyone loves him. He's skilled. He has athletic. He's a natural-born leader. He's number one. My winner. He's the Jon Snow of the NFL. Yes, we all know. I mean, he's died a couple times on the field, too, so that always helps with the analogy. (laughs) Who do you think think the Night King would be in the NFL today? Bill Belichick. I was going to go with uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yo, I don't pull my punches. Anyone who watches the show knows that. Now, if you haven't subscribed and you just heard that, we do that every week now. We do need to get to business, and that business is the NFC East. And we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys, winner of the division. They went 10-5 in 2018 with a 7-1 home record and a 3-5 on the road. They went 5-1 in division, which was a big boost to their uh, prowess in the playoffs. And they had a plus-15 point differential. Let's take a second to hear the contributors from the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys had quarterback Dak Prescott throw 356 times for 3,885 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. Now, he also added 75 rushes for 305 yards and 6 rushing touchdowns. On the ground, we had Ezekiel Elliott run 304 times for 1,434 yards and 6 touchdowns. He also added 77 catches for 567 yards and 3 touchdowns. Rod Smith. Had a little bit of a season, over 80 touches. He had 75 carries, 305 yards and a touchdown. Caught nine balls for 60 yards. Former Dallas Cowboy, Cole Beasley, 65 catches, 672 yards and three touchdowns. Amari Cooper, 53 catches on the abbreviated season after being traded with 725 yards and six touchdowns over nine games. Michael Gallup had 33 catches for 570 yards and two touchdowns. Blake Jarwin, 27 grabs for 307 and three Jeff Swaim, 26 catches, 242, and a touchdown. Alan Hearns, 20 catches, 295, and 2. So when you look at the contributors, let's move on a little bit and talk about who's in and who's out. No major departures in Dallas this offseason, but they re-signed the retired Jason Wynn. Mark, apparently, they didn't want him on the radio any more than you did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was exclusively because of his performance on Monday Night Football. That's the That's reason back in the NFL. I was just about to say. Oof, they bombed horribly with that one. So he's got to make it up to some to people somehow, and I might as well get him on the field a little bit. He's no Tony Romo. Now this team went and signed uh, defensive tackle Christian Covington. Wide receiver, wide receiver Randall Cobb, who who was out of options. I think if you're in a baseball, that's what they call that, out of options. You played for too many teams. You can't be sent down to the minors any more times. They did re or excuse me, they franchise tagged edge rusher Demarcus Lawrence, which could be a thing. Now, well, he did just sign that extension for one hundred and five million dollars, didn't he? He could have. I <laughs> I set this up a week ago. So did did he sign a contract in the meantime? 
Uh, yes, I believe he did on Sunday. I think he signed a $105 million contract. Ooh, five right. years. Okay, so Marcus Lawrence let will double, be let me with double the Cowboys. Check. Yeah, go double check that one out. Mark, when you see this Dallas Cowboys team, what were your thoughts? Uh, if they were in any division other than the East, I would not be impressed by them. But there, there's just such a weird disparity going on in the NFC East right now. Absolutely. They uh, went 5-1 and one in division. So if they were just 3-3 three and three in division, their record is suddenly 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. And I completely believe that that would have been the case. And I feel like it should be the case moving forward. But once again, I don't think it will be. Okay, uh, looks like Steve has some stats up. Steve, uh, contract section on one Demarcus Lawrence. Yes, it is five years, $105 million. He got a $25 million signing bonus with a $21 million annual salary with $65 million That's a lot of guaranteed money. A lot of guaranteed money. So he's apparently part of their uh, plans moving forward for sure. Now, I would say so. MVP, are we all agreeing that it is still Zeke Elliott? It it can't be anybody else. Yeah, I mean, you, you you can make an uh, you can make a case for Amari Cooper because he really helped electrify that offense after he got there, but the whole offense ran through Zeke. Absolutely. The fact, the fact for me with when it comes to Zeke is the fact that they finally opened up his potential in the passing game. The fact that he was actually catching balls this year is what's going to end up making him game breaking in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely, and seventy seven. I think that's. Uh, 40 more than his last season. I mentioned um, last season he caught as many passes or less than Jordan Howard. So that's a huge step up, 77. A lot of stuff going on there. Let's talk about touchdowns because nine total for Zeke is not enough for me, not to put him in that top three category where he wants to sit. Mark, what do you think about that? I think that it, in reality, is kind of fluky that he had that few. That number is going to end up going up. Uh, and that's what's mm-hmm. going to make him really oh, yeah. attractive in fantasy this year. Absolutely. And Amari Cooper, a player that I've hated on a lot of times. Now, he had 53 catches over nine games. That's still under 100. That That's significantly under 100. Huh? Now, he did have time to settle. So, you know, let, let's, let it be what it is. But he had six touchdowns in that time. Could yeah, he but... be... I, I don't think he's a 100-catch player. But no, could my... he be 80 for 1,010 next season? My problem with Amari Cooper is the same issue that he's had when he was over in Oakland as well. He has hands of buttered stone. Well, hands of buttered stone and the fact that most of that production came in three games. He had three monster games. He did. And besides that, he was pretty middle of the road, if not end of the road. Uh, And that boomer bust is what Amari Cooper has become. And I mean... It feels good to have him when he goes off in those boom games, but are you willing to roll the dice on that week in and week out? Absolutely. It's nice to mention now that uh, Cole Beasley is on his way out the door, but uh, Randall Cobb is stepping up on a one-year show-me contract. Between Cooper, Cobb, is there room for Gallup to be fantasy-relevant, Steve, in 2018? I think that Michael Gallup will be a lot more fantasy relevant than Randall Cobb because Randall Cobb can never stay healthy. Michael Gallup, he's going into his second year. That's typically when um, wide receivers tend to settle into their offense a little bit better. And Randall Cobb, you know, he's a great slot receiver when he's healthy. But, you know, 
if you're talking if you're talking about you know is Randall Cobb a step up from Cole Beasley? No, he's not. Is it, he a step up from Golden Tate? No, Rand, no, okay. no. Golden Tate, who had uh, who led the league in missed tackles last season by a yeah. lot, by a lot. Oh yeah. Okay, so it's time to move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now they won the Super Bowl two years ago. We're not quite there last season. They did have a plus nineteen points differential and went nine and seven. They went five and three at home, four and four on the road with a four and two division record. Carson Wentz, of course, only played eleven games, two hundred seventy nine passes for three thousand seventy four yards, twenty one touchdowns and seven interceptions. Nick Foles finished the season five games, one hundred forty one passes. 14, uh, 1,413 yards, seven touchdowns, and four interceptions. There were a lot of running backs on this team. Josh Adams, 120 rushes, 511 yards, three rushing touchdowns, seven for 58 in the air in five games as a starter. Wendell Smallwood, 87 rushes for 364 yards and three, um, 28 catches for 230 and two. Corey Clement, 68 rushes, 259 yards, two rushing touchdowns, 22 for 193 in the passing game. Jed Jai, another running back, 45 rushes for 184 yards and three touchdowns, five for 20 receiving. Zach Ertz, 116 catches, 1,163 yards and eight touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey, 65 catches, 843 and six. Dallas Goddard, 33 catches for 334 and four. Golden Tate in a limited season, 30 catches for 278 yards and one touchdown. Now, there are some notable ins and outs for this team. They re-signed Deshaun Jackson. They re uh, excuse me, they re-signed from a previous tenure on the team. Uh Philadelphia fan favorite Deshaun Jackson. They also re-signed edge rusher Brandon Graham, Jason Peters, Ronald Darby. They signed defensive tackle Malik Jackson, which is a huge move. Um, linebacker mm-hmm. LJ Fort, safety Andrew Sandejo, edge rusher Vinnie Curry, and running back Jordan Howard. So there's another running back added to this team, Mark. And who who's relevant? That's what I want to know. Who, what, what running backs are going to be relevant next year on this team? So who's going to be relevant is going to end up being Jordan Howard would be the only one I'd consider touching as far as draft. But my problem is they're starting to end up taking the same approach as new England did uh, years ago when they had their three or four headed monsters at running back. And at the same of three or four headed monster, this is like a rat King. Which makes me me want to touch it even less. I did not want to play the game in, in new England of, who's going to be the starting running back this week. I'm going to want to do that even less with Philly's uh, giant uh, carrion crawler of, uh, of running back. Not going to be good. Absolutely. You got to think they're going to want to pass the ball. Um, when Wentz gets back, they want to prove that they made the right decision in letting Foles go. And that means Zach Ertz. That means Alshon Jeffrey. That means Deshaun Jackson going for those long bombs. And it means Alshon Jeffrey is going to still be relevant. Now, of those wide receivers, Steve, who do you favor here? Of uh, the wide receivers, does that include Zach Ertz? Yes, for all intents and purposes. Then I'd stick with Zach Ertz, only because he's the most consistent. Alshon Jeffrey has the injury history, um, and Deshaun Jackson 
you know, he he still has elite speed. I mean, for for an older wide receiver, he has surprisingly elite speed, but father time catches up with everyone. So we don't we won't know what happens to Deshaun Jackson. So I would stick with Zach Ertz. Okay, and what about these new arrivals? What is the biggest uh, biggest addition to their team? Because for me, it's probably going to be Malik Jackson at D-tackle. You can argue Jordan Howard. What, what are you thinking here? I'm thinking probably um, linebacker LJ Fort because... They they one of their weakest positions was linebacker, and it got and, weaker this offseason with the uh, removal of Jordan Hicks from their squad. Exactly, and while LJ Fort is not Jordan Hicks, he he was very serviceable in Pittsburgh, and I think he will do very very well in Philadelphia. Awesome! It would be nice to add that Golden Tate and Jordan Matthews are also on their way out now. Golden Tate they traded for for three for. 10 weeks for no apparent reason. They didn't, they didn't use them. Then they just let him go. Jordan Matthews, of course, has had a long tenure of uh, screwing people over in fantasy football to, to be completely honest. So I'm sure we're all glad to see him on his way out. Uh, Mark, any last thoughts on this Eagles team? Uh, Not particularly when push comes to shove, I think they're still going to end up coming in second to the Cowboys uh, come the end of the season. And I'm really looking forward to the point in time when they need to pay all their defenders and their team just collapses because they can't afford it. Absolutely. Okay, so let's move on now to the Washington Redskins. Um, the Washington Redskins were 7-9 and nine in 2018 with a minus 78 net points. They were 3-5 at home, 4-4 four and four on the road, and 2-4 and four in the NFC East. Let's take a look at the offensive contributors for the Washington Redskins. Quarterback Alex Smith played 10 games through 205 times for 2,180 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. Josh Johnson started 3 games, 52 passes for 590, 3 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. And Colt McCoy played 2 games, 34 passes, 372 yards, 3 touchdowns, and 3 interceptions. Now, on the ground... The duo, Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson. Adrian Peterson, 251 rushes, 1,042 yards and 7 touchdowns. Also added 20 catches for 208 yards and 1 touchdown. Chris Thompson had 43 rushes for 178 yards, 41 catches for 268 and a touchdown over his 10 games of the season. Jordan Reed had 54 catches for 558 and 2. Josh Doxson had 44 for 532 and 2. And Jameson Crowder... Had 29 for 388 and two touchdowns. Not a whole lot on a pretty rough offensive squad. You had three different quarterback starters, and they could not get anything going. Couldn't keep anyone healthy. The very long season for this Washington Redskins squad. How um, did they even go seven and nine? That that baffles me. That they went seven and nine, and they were as bad as they were. I mean, look at those contributors. Like, their leading receiver, 54 catches, 550 yards. Adrian Peterson had a 1,000-yard year with seven touchdowns, and that's got to be the the weird, unexpected answer. Like, if I told you Adrian Peterson was going to run for 1,000 and score eight total touchdowns, Mark, what would you say to me last season? What year is it? 
Yes, exactly. Chris Thompson, <laughs> disappointing. 43 rushes, it, 178 yards. That I'm more disappointed. I'm I'm more disappointed in the in the receptions. He was a excellent scat back and an excellent receiving back two years ago. And this year he just completely went under. Forty in ten games would be like seventy over the whole season. That's not good. Yeah. See see Bob, what you did right here though is pretty much give the summation of Chris Thompson's career in one word, which is disappointing. I mean, we a lot of people had a lot of hopes for Chris Thompson and just injury has gotten to him and just underperformance has gotten to him. Absolutely. Now, quarterback play is going to get a little better this offseason now. It looks like Alex Smith may... Well, okay, maybe not. Um, It looks like (laughs) Alex... Yes, you know it will, because um, Case Keenum is on his way in, and Case Keenum is better than Josh Johnson and might be better than Colt McCoy. Definitely better than Colt McCoy. What about when they trade for Josh Rosen? We'll see that when it comes. But right now, we're looking at players coming in. That's Case Keenum. Adrian Peterson signed two years, $8 million. Doesn't make any sense to me that, uh, I mean, that's like, well, he's really tight with Darius Geis. So I think, I think it's more of a two years as a mentor to Darius Geis kind of contract, but eight. Okay. Okay. It could be. They also signed Landon Collins and offensive tackle Eric flowers. Mm -hmm. So the jokes on them there. Good luck case. And, And honestly, I would, I would actually say that, uh, Darius Geis is what I would consider the most important player coming in, and he's somebody who was on the roster. Him being healthy, I think, will do a, a solid amount to give this offense a boost, though it still won't be enough. They need an elite wide receiver. That's what they need. Now, they, like Josh Doxson, and you know, he Crowder's he's, on his way out. Yeah, and, and you know. Everybody had such high expectations for Josh Doxson. And, what, three years now, he's just been nothing but a huge disappointment? Yeah, it's it's been real rough now. Doxson had 44 catches for 500 yards and two. Just a disappointing season. It's He's past the sophomore slump, and it's just, you can't trust him. Can't trust him. So maybe they will address I, I mean, they have to address wide receiver in the draft. We'll see if Case Keenum ends up being their starting quarterback during next season. I think that is a step up from what they would have. Of course, Alex mm. Smith with that gruesome injury. Um, you know, you hope to see him come back, but not looking good. Yeah, he, he had an infection. So a really good chance that his career is, is no longer on the uh up and up. Um, you know, you hate to see that, even if he is on a on a rival. And and I'll say this about Case Keenum, it, it, in the right system, Case Keenum is a very good quarterback. Look at what he did with the Vikings. Look at um, look at what he's done in his career. He has had success. Unfortunately so, for Steve, all of those systems that he could be great exist in NCAA football, <laughs> of which he is no well, longer eligible. Well, I all I have to say is is don't count out Gruden. He he's he made Andy Dalton a a kind of neutral on the line franchise quarterback. I'm not saying he can do it to Case Keenum, but I think Case Keenum will be serviceable. All right, Mark, any last takes on the Washington Redskins? 
Uh, they are going to be in a dogfight for the bottom of the NFC East with our next team. We will talk about that, but let's uh, go and talk a little bit about the Giants. Now, I didn't write Giants record down because it wasn't worth writing. Actually, I, ju- I just forgot. And and it's too late now. So let's jump right into the contributors for the New York Giants, which is also a really short list. Offensive contributors for the New York Giants include Eli Manning, 380 passes for 4,299 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. They had one running back of significance. Of course, that was the rookie Saquon Barkley, 261 rushes, 1,307 yards, and 11 rushing touchdowns. He also added 91 grabs for 721 and 4. They had Odell Beckham catch 77 balls, 1,052 yards, and 6 touchdowns. Sterling Shepard, 66 catches for 872 yards and 4 touchdowns. And Evan Ingram with 45 grabs for 577 yards and 3 touchdowns. Mark, when you look at this offensive contributors list, my, it is small. There's one. There, you put down one name. There was one offensive contributor, and that was Saquon. Eli Manning, I have to say, 380 passes, 4,300 yards is not shabby. And when I was doing this, I was like, wait, is that right? That seems like a lot of yardage for Eli. No, it's right. Well, that's because they had to throw. They had to throw. They were down in almost every game they were in. Every game they were in. Now, there were players. We do have reinforcements. And it's not all doom and gloom. Now, Sterling Shepard, Mark, what did he get? He got a four-year, $40 million deal right now. Sum that up in one word. He got... He got paid. Sterling Shepard got paid. $40 million, four-year deal to re-sign. And I think half of that is guaranteed, almost $20 million. They also signed, um, re-signed Cody Latimer. And got Golden Tate off free agents, which is, again, Golden Tate made more players miss than anyone in the NFL uh, the last couple of years. He Uh, is really good in that slot position. Now, we do have two new safeties, Antoine Bethea and Jabril Peppers. That helps the secondary. Let's be honest. Those are two good, competent NFL safeties. Steve, you're shaking your head. No, those are not two NFL safeties. Oh no, I'm still I'm still with the whole wide receiver thing because you know Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are going to be in the. Uh, how do you work with two slot receivers? What is Golden Tate going to go back to the outside at 32 years old? He might. No, for Sterling Shepard to get that contract, they're expecting him to bump to the outside. He's the X, but he's never played on. He's never played the X. He didn't even play the X in college. Well, he's going to have to learn. They're paying him a lot of money for something. Oh, man. (laughs) See, this is what actually encapsulates my frustrations with the Giants offseason. They made some amazing moves that I could see genuinely helping the team. The two different trades with the Browns to get one of the better offensive guards in the the game and to get Kevin Zeitler, a a real good good pickup. Oh, yes. Very, very good. And to be able to add a former first-round pick in Jabril Peppers to a desperately aching secondary, uh, an additional first-round pick. Those were all incredibly smart decisions that all kind of geared towards actually gearing up and trying to get better for the future, realizing you're not going to be okay this year, but building that base and that core. The problem is, then you go ahead and sign Golden Tate 
for some reason. I think it was a great You're... pickup. I think it was a great pickup. You know, you have Sterling Shepard, you have Golden Tate, and you have Evan Ingram. You have three guys what? that are going to turn around, at, run 10 yards, turn around, look for the ball. And that's perfect because Eli Manning can't throw more than 10 yards. But here's So the that is exactly, exactly the game plan. Like, why but are you going to have the... guys who are going to streak down the field when Eli can't hit them anyway? But Unless they you... get Haskins in the draft. Stop it. <laughs> but why? Bad, here's Steve. The... Here... Bad, Steve. Here's... Here's the biggest issue that I have with it, though. You have to realize that they need to decide whether or not they plan on actually trying to win this season or if it's going to end up being a rebuilding year. The way that this team is constructed right now, they can't win the division unless they make some major moves and some major improvements in the next couple weeks. Now, the offensive line is good. They have a good offensive line. They have a good running back now. And the offensive line got a lot better. People always criticize the offensive line, but I have to blame at least half the sacks on the quarterback. I mean, Eli's dancing around just to fall down with the ball. That's not a good look. Giants have a good offensive line. They're going to be good moving forward. They have Saquon Barkley, who when you have a running back that can juke like that, that counts as an extra offensive lineman because that is a threat you need to cover. You need to account for that speed. I don't see all doom and gloom here. They need pass rushers. Of course they do, but they mm-hmm. traded Snacks Harrison, the best run-stopping defensive tackle in the game, possibly last season, and they looked their deep line looked a little better without him. They they still weren't getting burnt by the run. They they weren't great, but it wasn't like this end-all be-all. In fact, the second half of the season, after they unloaded all their worth, all their value, they looked like a better team. You know. Now let's talk about it. The big guy off the table, Odell Beckham. Steve, you're the non-Giants fan here. How does this look to an outsider? It looks like that what the Dolphins are probably going to be doing this year and organically tanking. They're going to try to be competitive, but they're but they're going to they're going to just let things go and see how it plays out and see how they do so they can finally draft a quarterback mark odell yes. beckham jr caught 77 balls for 1052 yards and six touchdowns last season is that really wide receiver one numbers is that the best wide receiver in the league yes and here's the reason why because that was only in in, a, in an abbreviated season he didn't play all 16 yeah, games. he has he never plays all 16 games one time in his season and, he's been in the game six the years biggest... And that's my biggest issue with him. And that's why I actually don't mind seeing him leave as a Giants fan. I want to have that stability. I don't want to have that wide receiver that's being force-fed the ball on a regular basis. But, okay, okay. I I have to step in. I'm sorry. But he is an outside, prototypical ex-receiver. He had 1,000 yards on 77 catches. If Eli Manning could... Actually, if he had a quarterback that could throw more than 10 yards to him, the, the, that 77 catches would be exponentially bigger. He, they kept on feeding him short screens and all these other things and forcing Odell to make plays, which he is. He is the playmaker. They, they paid him to be the playmaker, yes. But when he has to basically do it all by himself – Thousand yards on seventy-seven receptions is good numbers, considering the fact that his quarterback couldn't get him pe- the ball past ten yards. That's those are all good points, but I like to point out that Eli uh, Odell Beckham 
does play in the slot sometimes. He, he was mixing up all over the field, and a lot of his success did not come on the outside. He was not the streak-and-catch guy. Um, he, he can mi- make guys miss, too. So I don't know if, if that's there, and my argument there is going to be yes, but it's like a closer in baseball. It's a novelty for good teams. Odell Beckham was the ultimate novelty for a team that can't support him. Yes, if he had a quarterback, that's a big if. He does not have that man who can hit him. So to that end, you're just wasting money and wasting you know future building of teams on a player that you can't support now. Unless you get to, to, unless you got Haskins, but you know, you know, and, and here here's what I have to say. I think Odell Beckham was a bad call for the Browns because he's going to demand the ball and push the quarterback around. I would love to have seen Odell go to Seattle. Imagine Russell Wilson, a quarterback with a oh, backbone. Oh God, they'd be back and they'd be back. A quarterback with a backbone. That's what he needs. He needs someone who's going to stand up to him. Eli, as a veteran, was not that guy, and he would See, force him the ball. Here's where I think that you're at least slightly wrong in that aspect of it. I think that he actually landed in a team where he actually has the chance of having that rapport already with his other wide receiver. Remember, he's played with Jarvis Landry for years. They're best friends. And LSU, they're best friends. If there's any wide receiver on the planet that he's not going to pull that diva shtick against, it's going to end up being Jarvis Landry. So there's actually that possibility there that he might not diva out to the extent that he normally would. Steve, how much would you pay to see Hard Knocks go to Brown's camp again this season? Oh, considering I don't make much to begin with, I, I'd i pay maybe half of my paycheck. <laughs> and that's because we don't have enough subscribers on ID Sports. If we were monetizing this, we would all be in a better shape. Now, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting offseason. I think this Giants team, I think they actually got better, and, and we're going to see. We're going to see. Maybe maybe I'll be proved right. Maybe I'll be proved wrong. But that is the NFC East. I honestly truly believe that Cowboys are the best team by a little. And that everything I think they're else... the best team by a lot. I, I've got – because this is a big year for Philadelphia. Like, this is the year that Philadelphia – that Carson Wentz has to prove something. He has to be like, healthy, like that he can stay on the field. Yeah, because everybody, you know, he went from an up and down rookie season to an MVP season and then to a season where people were like, okay, where's Foles? Yeah, statistically, everybody kept on saying all year, statistically, he's playing better than his MVP MVP season. But when you actually look at his play, his play was not that good he was gun shy and everything he he has a very he has a lot to prove i think the dallas cowboys are the best team by a wide margin i i think this could be open and if you look at like i said it was all the division games that they won because the uh, the rest of the division was trash if you take that five and one division and just make it three and three they're an eight and eight team and that division is back up for grabs so I, i think this nfc east it's funny how every couple of years they flip-flop from they're never a good division. They're always the best, hardest division in football or complete <laughs> trash garbage. Is this a, a good year or a bad year, Mark? Uh, I think that it's going to be a, a good year for half of the teams. I, I can't, I still unfortunately can't picture the Redskins or the Giants putting everything together this season. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are the only playoff-worthy teams in this division right now. Well, with Geis now, Redskins have a couple extra first-round drafts, mm. a couple extra picks there coming in. Um, we will see. That's really the thing for me with Washington. Is it Geis? Is it Peterson? How much of the role now? You can say he's he's you know going to coach. He's going to take a coaching role, but eight million over two years in two years on an old man, a lot. And he had yeah. a thousand yards last year. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think, I think Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis are probably going to split carries, and then, um, and then the, you know, J- uh, Jay Gruden, he likes to go with the hot hand at running back. So whoever gets the hot hand first, I think will get the rock. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. This has been an I80 Sports production. We're recapping the NFC East 2018 and making some predictions for the future. Now, this Sunday, we're going to put out our video uh, probably a little early, Saturday, because we know what's going on Sunday. You're watching Game of Thrones. You're not going to watch us. You're going to watch Jon Snow get his head chopped off on live television. Oh, if that happens, I'm rage quitting. No, Arya's already said she's getting killed. Could be. Macy Williams has already said it. Well, everyone, in the show that everyone dies, I mean, we could only assume. Wouldn't it be like funny if like the dragons just took over and just burned everyone alive? I'm like, haha, it's over. <laughs> okay, we got to cut this out right now. Guys, thanks a lot for joining us, Mark, Steve. Uh, this has been an IED Sports production. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>